<laughs> you sneaky video guys, you're so creative. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the best you've got these days? <laughs> My niece had this going, I guess, and I'm trying to, I really am not a cat. Uh, uh -huh. Likely story, likely story. <laughs> Hi, my name is Joel Miller, and today we are listening to my podcast, Party Like a Rockstar. We're brought to you by Misha's Kind Foods. They're an LA-based small business making the world's finest non-dairy cheese spreads on the market today. They're delicious and healthy, made from a cashew and almond milk, and blended with various locally sourced fresh herbs, vegetables, and spices. No vegetable oils, soy, fillers, starches, or nutritional yeast. My name is Joel Miller, and you are listening to my podcast, Party Like a Rockstar. Today's guests are Peter Mole, who's toured as a video director with such acts as Elton John, James Taylor, Van Halen, Guns N' Roses, Velvet Revolver, Kid Rock, Billy Joel, Metallica, Nicki Minaj, Matchbox 20, Enrique Iglesias, and The Weeknd. While working at G Matter, Peter created King of the Roadies, gritty docu-soap about the Guns N' Roses touring crew. He's also shot a Willie Nelson documentary called King of Luck, directed by Billy Bob Thornton. Rob McShane is a concert tour video director and engineer with 25 years of experience in designing and producing live video presentations for Green Day, Jack White, Korn, Lady Gaga, Elton John, the Jonas Brothers, Guns N' Roses, Foo Fighters, Motley Crue, and Blink-182. My third guest I brought on just in case we get a little bit boring. I knew he could he could cover for us and keep us back on the interesting point. My joke here is actually not pertinent because what it was was that Bill Bill Callison runs Big Rock Productions. I found that rather a coincidence because my friend Corey used to work for a company called Big Cock Productions, but I'm in, but he works in another industry. I'm in Los Angeles. The joke is that yeah. Bill never worked for such a company called Build Rock Productions and has to what I'm talking about. So, I made mistaken a mistaken identity. A mistaken identity, but I'm saying the joke anyway because I thought it was funny. Basically. Bill has a degree from San Diego State University in television production design. Bill, you'll have to let us know how they plan to change the shape of televisions these days. I find that interesting. I know we've gone from round TVs to square TVs to TVs on stands, flat TVs. I'd love to know how we're going to change the production design of televisions from here on out. Bill has been the video director for Leonard Cohen, Alan Jackson, Fallout Boy, Paramore, Taylor Swift, and Janet Jackson. When you guys were kids, were you more music guys or more film guys? Both. You were. Uh, me, I'd say both, but I'd say more music for me. Uh, yeah, I was more of a. I was more of a music guy. I love music, but then I was exposed to a class called media in like sixth grade. And it, it, they had a little SEG, a special effects generator, and it had a little failure bar. And I got in there and it against the wall and a little black and white monitor. And I got in there and I started punching buttons. And there was a teacher there that put me in the media club. Symmetry, I got uh, Michael Grace wrote Poltergeist, Whole World, Marked for Death. And Michael's coming on the show uh, in a couple of days. And I want to ask him how the feeling you get when they put music to your, your the film. First, he's a writer, so you've written the script. Then they make it. The casting process must be really cool. But when they um, when they actually put the music to the film, 
it's like the, it's like the missing link you know it's the part that glues it together and i'm super intrigued to see how you're emotionally there but it is the same with you guys i mean you're starting with the music i think always right because you're putting the video to the, the album always or has there been an exception no i think for i can't think of one i think it's always been the music drives the, the visuals you know? Yeah, I think there are exceptions sometimes. I mean, when you break the rules and you just, I mean, we, there's some songs it's like we do it completely out of focus, the whole song, you know, or we focus on the guy's beard and his lip ring and everything that's weird about the people and like, let's do this one all messed up. And uh, sometimes breaking the rules like that works and sometimes it doesn't, but the music usually drives it and sometimes the emotion of the crowd drives it and the emotion of the moment, the big picture of what it is. And, yeah. you know, sometimes I'll pull it all to black if it calls for it. Like, you know, you don't have to use those screens because you're paying for them. You get a lot of artists who are like, we're paying for them. We want them on all the time. It's like, why this song does not call for it it's got one little flame animated flame on the screen and that is fitting for this song um and so yeah so you know, they, you know i haven't toured in a long time have they killed a lot of backdrops now because the videos have taken over i feel like pretty much every show is an led wall is green day. Yeah, green day still has backdrops yeah what's a backdrop hmm. yeah that's where i felt like things were going when i was finishing up it just Digital. You guys had all these little ants basically building these walls, man, and they were, they were big, <laughs> and there was, and there, and uh, and like you had said, it was truck after truck. This was in two thousand one, and it was like, well, this is obviously what's going to change here. But when you're sitting there at the crowd and you see that big wall, you're kind of like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> it was super heavy in the early ones, like super heavy. It would take uh-huh. our guys to put each one on on it. And then you're looking at it like that's a lot of weight, man. It's a lot of weight. <laughs> so it was neat. So I got an idea here for you, Bill. I got an idea. And it's an artistic idea. So this is my video idea. I'm thinking if we have a guy sleeping on the screen for like Motley Crue, for example. So there used to be a hotel on Sunset that was called the Standard. When you lived here, did mm-hmm. you ever go there, Rob? And they had like the a girl. Standard, who... had the, the sign was upside down. It said the standard yeah. upside down. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> and there'd be a girl and she'd be like in an aquarium and she'd be reading a book or she'd be literally sleeping. <laughs> and as you'd walk into the bar, she was in this big aquarium. I was thinking we could put like an ugly roadie like Maxie Williams inside of the aquarium and we could run it at a Taylor Swift concert on the screen. People would run. Parents would take their kids and run. They would run. Is a bad idea. I think you might be able to get away with it one time. (laughs) One time's good enough. Actually, do you guys do any of that? So, like the last show, you play the jokes on all the other bands and stuff with the video. Would it be easy to do? Or there's so much programming that it's not that easy to switch up the media. It's 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 so easy and so easy. There's been moments where. They can't get us any last-minute submissions. If anything before an hour before the show, it's that easy. So yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got no problem in thirty seconds uh, coming up with a slide with your cell phone number on it. Yes, oh, oh, <laughs> this guy. We might yeah, have yeah. It for a good time. Yeah, <laughs> the big cock production it. guy or whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah if somebody shows up with a picture of Pete in a diaper, I'm throwing it on the screen, man. Well, <laughs> we, we did that. We uh, Brian Adams had a party for us at the Point Depot in uh, 
in um, Dublin. It was an old bus depot, a train uh, depot, beautiful old stone building. And after the, it was called uh, Christmas in July and they had fancy dress, which was costumes and everything. And caterers did it up. I remember Brad Pitt was there. It was backstage. And it was open bar. And um, we found our dear friend, Toby Vogel, our projectionist, uh, on the way to the gig the next day, we were in a taxi cab and Terry Brennan and I found, looked out and he was being arrested by the police. He was sleeping in the doorway at some apartment building and he had Dublin 96 written on his chest that these two Irish lasses had left him with. And so he came into the gig. There's his picture on the screen from the night before at the party. And uh, <laughs> he didn't like that too much, but uh, we always used to pull little pranks like that. He's okay. And I love it. I saw him not too long ago. He's working for that band Underworld. And uh, I did a show with him in New York City. Those guys were incredible, but that's another story. I want to do movie night with you guys with like the 40, 40 screens or whatever. Like any movie would be really cool to watch. Can you put the game on? Put the, the game on. on. Oh, yeah, I bet you hear that all the time. <laughs> so, um, Peter, so I, I love Billy Bob Thornton. I think he's such a versatile actor and... Uh, I, I think he's the man so i've never actually heard his band play i know he has one but when you were doing your uh your documentary with him I mean, how fucking cool is it working with billy bob thornton with willie nelson i mean it's kind of a neat combination oh yeah it was awesome uh tom mayhew i owe it to him he is the, is the tour manager at the time for the box masters and uh they were opening up for willie nelson and i ended up introducing tom to um, Red Ted from Ted Chilowitz from Red Camera, uh, who ended up in turn getting us the five cameras to shoot the, they were early Reds too, um, to shoot the documentary and uh, went to the ranch in uh, Luck, Texas a couple times. Uh, and uh, I remember um, uh, Billy Bob had got uh, like Ray Benson and Kiki Friedman and Shelby Lynn and uh, Oak, uh, Owen and Luke Wilson and uh, Woody Harrelson and all these people together at, at Woody's ranch. And uh, we just filmed them playing cards and hanging out and they were all smoking weed and just telling old stories. And then all of a sudden they break into like song and like, this all takes place at Willie's ranch, which is a whole Western set. And they have this post office and the, um, the bank and the saloon. And when he, but that, that's like, those are permanent structures at his ranch. Yeah. So they made redheaded oh, cool. stranger years ago. And I guess he, said, you can do the set at my property as long as they're all working buildings, the legend says that. And his his hang is a saloon that has no, he hangs behind the bar, but there's no booze or anything. And they have this little back room and it's all dusty and dirty, but there's Pro Tools in there, like computer rig and all Willie Nelson memorabilia all around the walls. But okay. one of the best things that I take away from those experiences that I'm sitting there shooting documentary footage is they all tell each other jokes when they first, Billy Gibbons to comes into the room and says, Hey, Billy, I haven't seen you. He says, Oh, Peter's here. My video guy. Do you mind if, if he shoots something? He says, hang on. He puts on his glasses and his hat. He says, okay, I'm ready. And he said, uh, uh, a woman walks into a library and she says to the li librarian, I'd like a, a cheeseburger, a large fry and a Coke. The librarian says, but ma'am, you're in a library. She says, Oh, I'll have a cheeseburger, a large fry. And they start laughing, and that's how they break the ice. And same thing when Billy Bob went down with his band to Willie Nelson. They sat there, and I'm very privy, and I'm done rolling. I got all the footage I need, but I just keep going because I'm listening to these stories. You can't, you can't. I mean, I'm pinching myself uh, for those moments. 
Oh, they're they're great moments because so, you're capturing it. But the other side is you're hanging out and listen to it, and you're stoked that you're there, you know. And then because you were a roadie, you can keep up with them drinking. <laughs> and can I tell you something? Ten years later, fast forward to a couple of years ago only, and Todd LaPere from Solatech has me go down to do Farm Aid, and it's my job to run video signal into because I was the solo tech at that gig, and I was to do monitors, and I was supposed to run a feed to Willie's bus and to um, Neil Young's bus. So I'm waiting for Willie to get off, and it's ten years since I've fifteen years since I've been down on the ranch, and he walks out and he's like, "Hey, and how are you?" Like. I'm like, do you remember me? <laughs> He's like, and I, I think he really did. It's just a sweet guy. And it's moments like that that, man, I can't believe I'm even around this shit. <laughs> yeah, it's super neat. I mean, it's those little things, man. It's those, you know, I had, if you guys toured with Rigger Dan, anybody here back in the day, Rigger Dan? Oh, yes. hell yeah, yes, Rigger yes. Dan. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, Rigger Rigger Dan. cameraman for me on Guns N' Roses. So yeah. I was a big Rigger Dan fan. And so I, I, it was my birthday the other day and I was going through a box. My brother-in-law was here. We were hanging a mirror. And I found in my box, it was the piece of rope that Dan gave me to learn how to do my knots, right? And I never, I still can't tie my fucking knots. But I, I, I smiled, man. I, I was so happy to find this piece of rope. And his mom actually on the Facebook, she wrote, uh, oh, wow, you know, that's really great to hear. And it made me feel really good. But uh, what? what cheers, I, cheers. Cheers. Cheers, yeah, man. Cheers to Rigger Dan and mm, yeah. all the other roadies that have gone by the wayside. Mm too many too soon too soon exactly yeah well that's what i was talking about the other day it's been a little tough for everybody i mean no no work and no money makes it a little bit difficult there's a lot of stress involved a lot of what i'm trying to do here is give people a little bit of laughter and then you know everybody will be back to work soon (laughs) and 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 get going on the you know life short (laughs) so even if you make it 100 years it's not a long time so to keep it all going but uh yeah, the girl, the roadie salute. <laughs> so it's good. Yeah. yeah. Red cup. <laughs> All right. So I have an idea for you guys. All right. So if we were going to do a music video and it would be for that roadie song by that singer guy who did the song with Phoebe Cates getting out of the swimming pool, <laughs> you know, the, that Jackson song, that, that Jackson Brown song I was going, I'm referring to about the roadies. The loadout. Yeah. How would you uh, make a video better than uh, Phoebe Cates getting naked out of the pool for us roadies? <laughs> I wouldn't even try, man. You're a pro. <laughs> You're a pro, Bill. <laughs> oh, you know what? Yeah, I would probably try. Uh, I would, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know. I would maybe light it better. <laughs> you would light so, it better. <laughs> yeah. Would have so I can watch girls. somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Like someone else can just uh, you know what I would do? I would probably rehearse it over and over and over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Yeah, yeah. I know what I would do. I would replace Phoebe Cates with Joey McIntyre from New Kids on the Block, and I'd find Chad McClymonds and make him be the cameraman when he came out to do that part. Yeah, on the spur of the moment, the of the moment folks. That's good. <laughs> You, Rob, you take the fifth, Rob. <laughs> are, you, are you are you talking about the moment under the stage on the new kids there? No, I'm talking about uh, uh, the song that he did. Joey McIntyre did when he had no shirt on and Chad was his cameraman. He's like, "Where is he?" You know the moment I'm talking about in the dressing room where Corey and uh, uh, where they where they went to the dressing room in their lingerie and did their little thing. 
Oh, cor- yes. Yes. Co- yes. 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 We have that video. Yes. I'm we sure. have a lot of dirt on some of these guys here, Joel. We, we can easily pull a video of embarrassing moments. I mean, Chris Roberts, I've got him dancing around the stage in a tutu on something. Uh, but I, I know I have the Sweet Dreams one. Uh, I would be careful there, Pete. You're going down a slippery slope if you want to start pulling out the video. trouble, man. They're going to raid your house. Yeah. You guys know who Batty is? Batty's a roadie. toured with Iron Maiden for lots of years. He worked with Lemmy. And I had him on. I had him on the other day, and he uh, he's got tons and tons of VHS tapes uh, yeah. of stuff. He said he's got like closet full of all the Alice yeah. Cooper, mostly Alice Cooper. I think he said just tons of it. But there's a lot of neat footage. I'm like, you have to transfer it. But I don't think he understood what that meant. I don't think he under transfer to what. And he's like, well, I watch the videos sometimes. I'm like, don't watch them anymore. You got to transfer it and then watch them to your heart's desire, my friend. They have all tracking problems. I can only imagine. the v- He said that they brought on tour that big, that big-ass VHS thing, and they were just having fun with it. It wasn't for any other reason. But you want to do a fun documentary. Can you imagine if it's all this early Lemmy stuff? I mean, that would be really neat, man. Yeah. It'd be really neat. I can remember bumping into him at a few festivals in Europe when we were with like Loaded and Guns N' Roses guys and backstage Olemi and Motorhead guys and yeah, crazy stuff, man. Yeah, I used to see him all the time. He'd be on he'd be on Sunset hanging out, and he was always very nice, very easy, and he'd sing the Beatles. He did a lot of Beatles yeah. covers with uh, Dizzy with Hookers and Blow. He'd get yeah. up there and sing some stuff and. Uh, to be honest, it was a, it was an awesome way to grow up, man. It was great. We would party there all night long. Poor Slim Jim. <laughs> we but drink so much beer, <laughs> and I don't know if I paid for it all. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> it was a good it was a good time. So, are you guys gearing up for anything right now? I know there's some country acts getting going and stuff. Are you guys? Yeah, there's stuff brewing. Uh, you know, I have a full time job with HNX Technologies and. Uh, we're noticing a huge uptick in, in uh, requests for gear and uh, and stuff going on. So um, And then I know that I've been getting some calls for things down the road in the late summer and stuff like that. That'd be cool. So, uh, what's, I, what I, yeah, sorry, I personally man. haven't been doing anything. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been, uh, pre pandemic, I was doing the Kendrick Lamar World Tour, uh, which was, I mean, I was literally everywhere all over the planet. Uh, doing that but you know then the pandemic hit and uh you know i've been mostly just laying around binge watching netflix with my wife uh, so and i'm reevaluating i mean when i you know it's it's uh, it's time to step back in i mean the industry is slowly starting to come back uh so i'm actually thinking about maybe hitting pete up see if maybe i can get him and greg give me a job at h&x technologies so Hmm. uh but uh, yeah (laughs) i'll help him with his resume pete yeah, give him a hand. We're actually uh, working on a project coming up here, so uh, yeah. But I mean, things are things are starting to trickle back in, which is you know it's positive. I mean, I know there's you know there's a couple of country acts that are going back out, which typically they're the first one to dip their toes in the water. Uh, so you know there's some country acts coming back out. I think it's probably going to still be a while before we see you know the big, huge, giant shows come back again. You know, the 30 truck, 35 truck shows come back again. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not uh, improbable. 
Uh, and, you know, we just got to start, we, we, we just got to start, you know, trickling ourselves back in, weaning ourselves back into the industry. You know, I mean, it's, you know, we want to keep everybody safe, but by the same, by the same token, we all want to get back to work, man. And we all want to get back to doing what we do and making things happen for those fans that come out to see our work. So yeah. many people are sure. gone too. So I know, uh, you know, we were looking for some tech techs not too long ago for an event in LA. Of course it was last minute, but we were having a little trouble. Uh, mm. People have moved on to other gigs for the moment. So those that are going to come back from those old, uh, new gigs um, will come back, I hope, when something you know um, strong comes in. But there's definitely a depleted workforce in the industry at the moment. People have to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's and it's not just survive. I mean it's 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 yeah survive financially, but it's also survive you know mentally and and, and emotional health is just as important. And that was you know for the months that I sat around when this pandemic started, it was four or five months. And don't get me wrong, that unemployment was, was, was good, was as good as anybody's going to get working for $25 an hour, you know, at a, at a job at Home Depot or whatever. But come a point after three or four or five or six months where it's like, it's a waste of time to sit home and collect that money. So I've uh, fortunately had a good friend who's a carpenter who builds passive houses who has employed me full time. And in the last six months, we started, building two houses six months ago and in the next three four weeks we're going to be done with both of them so for me it wasn't about the paycheck for doing that but it was more about the knowledge that i've learned you know but what i've learned how to do in six months when i do finally finish this when i do finally retire i want to build my own house and i've learned how to do it so you know it was awesome. that's cool that's really yeah. cool yeah it was a good good transition you know Kept, keeps yeah. me physically healthy keeps me mentally healthy and almost pays the bills so School. Right. You learned to trade, and you taught me about passive houses. I didn't know anything about them, and now I know. You got to suck the air out of the house, <laughs> and it'll heat, heat itself, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's that's all you know, right? It sucks the air out of the house. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. It's just, that was the end of your story. Is the the blow test or whatever it's yeah, called? Yeah, blow door. Yeah, blow door. So, do you think that? Uh... You're doing this documentary. You were working on the King of the Roadies, a gritty docu soap about the Guns and Roses touring crew. Where are we at? I don't know. Is it? Is oh no, that's huge, on the show. I love Guns and Roses. That's been shelved years ago. That was a reality show that we shopped twice. Um, we had some really big interest. Simmons Family Jewels on A and E was the number one show at the time, and they wanted a sister show to that. Um, was there any love story? <laughs> Between two, yeah. that's what you need. No, well, a little mandate. Uh, no, there was just there was all kinds of hijinks going on on that tour, and uh, we had more fun than ever. Uh, we worked our butts off, but it was a real bond of a group of guys and gals, um, like I've never experienced. And it was great. I thought it was great television. It was uh, it was great stories um, happening every day. Um, you know that you couldn't write. You needed to be out there and just put it in the can and then pull the nuggets out. So our show, unlike scripted show where they just go and shoot the script is way more affordable. Our show was the budgets were through the roof to overshoot. And then, you know, the roadies won't wait for you. You'd have to chase them and follow them like gnats on a wall. And, um, but we, you just go to the bar, Pete. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not so simple. I mean, what you're doing is great. I mean, we had an idea, we shopped it, and it didn't happen, and we moved on, uh, basically. Uh, but we learned a lot from it, and, uh, 
you know, Hollywood is a, an interesting place. We have a lot of people to thank. I mean, Duck McKagan was awesome to us. Axel was great to us and stuff. And the, the, the whole, everybody was great to us. Um, and, uh, you know, the networks tried to do something on their own basically without us. And, uh, and then we just moved on. Um, but, um, uh, it was fun while it lasted. That's cool. I recently yeah. had something like that happen too. <laughs> they took, they took yeah. the idea and they tried to do it themselves. So we'll see if they make it happen or not. Yeah, they didn't claim to be the first ones with the idea, yeah. um, but one of the networks decided they wanted to try a, a uh, roadie show on a on a tour that they lasted like two seasons. And I think our show was that, but on steroids, and it was way more unscripted and way more natural. And uh, you know, the problem we, with that we, roadie shows it was backed by Cameron Crow, man, big deal. Oh, not that one. That was a different one. That was more of a soap opera. Ours was, you know, a real life thing. So, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, who does a prayer circle before the loading and uh, rides their skateboard into the loading? You know I mean? right. right through the truss. <laughs> Cameron Crowe's thing didn't last for a while. We did, in fact. Toby Francis, God love you, brother. Uh, he he and I have been talking for years. And, in fact, uh, on my wall, I have every episode from border crossing to, um, you know, bring your girlfriend to work day to, um, <laughs> you know, stagehands do that. And, and, and we have uh, all kinds of episodes uh, on Post-it Notes about doing a um, like a comedy animated series, okay, without actors or actresses, but more like a was, Simpsons or a family. There was a Kiss one, right? There was a Gene Stanley one, I think. Yeah, maybe. There was. There was a, there was a cartoon thing, but I don't know what it was about. I mean, he could have been solving crimes like Scooby-Doo. I can't remember, but... Toby came over one time, and we sat down, and he told me the story, this true story, yeah. about a band who shall remain... remain... <laughs> uh, I think it might have been Aerosmith. <laughs> but uh, he, he, he <laughs> oh, you were really good on that, Peter. That lasted like less than two seconds. I'm not going to uh, tell no, you, but it's Aerosmith. <laughs> he shall remain Aerosmith. Uh, but he he told me this story that happened in real life, and he's like, and that could be like it could be any band, and that could be a pilot. It's based on a true story. And I'm like, I'm like, you kidding me? I'm like, that is absolutely the best story I've ever heard in my life. You know, Toby Francis is good for. You should get him on your podcast. I've interviewed him before. Toby Francis. I'll hit him up. Yeah. I'm even writing it down. That means I'll hit him up for sure. If he gets back to you. <laughs> it's been pretty good so far. I've had a lot of people. And then, you know, like I told you on the phone, some of these guys, you know, you're looking at the resumes. You're like, holy shit. Why does this guy want to talk to me? <laughs> you know, I'm like, wait, I said this guy. But then I come up with some asshole remarks that have nothing to do with his actual production company and everything goes good. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed it does. Yes. It goes good. It was the Jameson. I think it made you, it made you friendly. Uh, it made me friendly or made Pete friendly. <laughs> Pete's always friendly. He's the kind of huggable guy. Everybody loves you. I don't know. Indeed, so actually one of the things Pete told me was, uh, so you taught it, you taught a course at Purdue. And I then... taught several courses at Purdue and, uh, I, I, um, at one point in my life, in a heartbeat, I found myself a single father with a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and an 18-month-old. Uh, and Purdue was one of my uh, clients as a freelancer, and they'd been trying to set their hooks in me for a while as an instructor. And, uh, you know, given my situation, I couldn't really go back out on tour. So uh, I did about a 10-year stint as a professor at Purdue teaching, uh, and, um, uh, and, and during the course of that time, I... I I had internships. I still kept my foot in the industry, uh, you know, through uh, several different companies that I worked for. And, you know, I would teach classes. And in the summertime, I would take, uh, you know, eight kids and we'd go out with a truck full of video gear and a truck full of LED. 
and we bang around the country doing festivals and the kids, you know, they, you know, I taught uh, introduction to video production, uh, advanced video production, television production, you know, several classes. Uh, but in the summertime, the kids would go out, they'd get the real world experience. You know, they'd learn how to pull feeder and they'd learn how to unload trucks and build LED screens and build up cameras and shoot the show. And they'd learn the rule of thirds and depth of field and stuff like that. And, you know, and they would go out and do a couple of festivals and they would get six or eight college credits for that. Uh, so there's actually a lot of people that probably both Rob and Pete know that I, I kind of launched their careers through my program. It was, it was the, uh, original experiential learning, uh, program where we would actually take a, you know, we'd take four or five kids out and we'd hook them up with a, you know, a schmaba or, a, you know, some, you know, uh, just a, a, a seasoned roadie, uh, and they would gain the experience that they needed. And then, you know, three years later, you know, they've got all this experience under their belt when they graduated. You know, my placement, my placement uh, ratio was higher than the School of Engineering was. Oh, at Purdue. So, yeah, I, I did about 10 years there teaching uh, and then eventually wound up, you know, uh, leaving the university and, go, and going back full time into the industry. Did, uh, did Kim Hampton come from you? Kim Hampton Kim absolutely Hampton. came from me, I, man. I, I took Kim Hampton on her first tour, Sight Unseen. We were on the Dog cell phone. Man. I, I yeah, absolutely Godsmack. I, I, I will that, send you, I will send you a letter that she, that I have on my computer about do. that tour. I <laughs> read that letter because Bill applied for a job at H and X. Please, uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, please, please do. She's, 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 she's one of the most amazing people on the planet. She's, she is, a, she, I am grateful that yes. she came from you. She, uh, me, me and Harry, me, me, me and Harry Chin hired her actually. Me and Harry Chin were dying on that tour. There was two of yes. us running that video, and we had to have a third. And they just wouldn't give them to us. And they just said, no, 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 no. And they came up with some money. And uh, it must have been Tim Sarola. must have been TC that said, call this girl. Said, call and Kim Hamlin. You know what? And she quit her job, flight attendant, <laughs> sight unseen, to come on the road with us. And, a funny bye. story, TC, uh, also fruit of my loom. Uh, he was, uh, TC, was, <laughs> we were doing a show. We were doing a show, and TC was working as a fry cook. And I interviewed him in the lobby of the hotel. And I said, are you working today at the fry cook place? And he said, no. And I said, great, come across the street. We're doing a load in. Awesome. <laughs> TC likes a good fry. Yeah. Never, I, never looked back from then. I need a couple of people to help my friend. Have you guys ever toured with Carrie Charbonneau? I've been helping her move and I threw my I back out. With, I have toured with Carrie Charbonneau, but it has been 20 years. Probably was it Prince or Dave. Yeah, it or? was it was it was Primus, and it was in 1999. Primus. We did we did the Millennium in San Francisco. All her Primus crap is in my garage right now. <laughs> you got a guy, Bill, to help me move poor Gary okay. across the country, man. <laughs> you know, if you can hold off until next week, Pete and I'll be in L.A. We'll help you move. <laughs> I think we actually got most of it, but um, I, was, okay. I was talking to Takumi last night, and I was telling Takumi to come and give me a hand getting. Getting Carrie moved, but I think I think we're good. I think we're good. All right. Well, Pete and I will be in LA on Sunday, so uh, our van we... says Dicks in the hats moving. Dicks in the hats moving. <laughs> I got my hat. I got my hat. But hey, let yeah. me say, Kim Hampton. Back to Kim Hampton for a minute. She's the one that introduced me to you, Rob. We went on a day off on Elton John or something. She was on that tour with uh, us, or no, Tim Sarola took us, and she we gave Tim Sarola some passes, and we went backstage, and that's where I met you and Kim. I and then uh, the same day, it was on Corn. 
on corn yes 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 i kept her but I, I i that's not really the way i meant that but i held on to her for as long as i possibly could <laughs> and i knew that the, the more we did she was going to get snatched by somebody and then it was i think it was like billy joel elton john i'm sorry it was bruce springsteen it was bruce springsteen yeah. that she got she got taken away and i called and i said come back on corn she said nope i got a better offer so yeah no and she did bruce springsteen with legs and you know all those guys out on mm-hmm. springsteen yeah. forever mm-hmm. you know? yeah, she's elton john's crew chief so hopefully for the last run she well was. that's the last time i saw her i went and i did six weeks on elton uh not last year because nobody did anything last year but in 2019 um yeah i love that girl you worked with uh john mann yeah the percussion yeah, player. The so john was my yeah. first episode on here because he uh yeah, yeah need- it's with Peter from Bad Religion and John. And uh, I guess the guys in Bad Religion were massive Elton John fans. So oh, yeah. We just like we were kids and we all wanted to be Metallica. But when we weren't listening to Metallica, we listened to Elton John. <laughs> and he wasn't kidding. They talked for three hours and then they called each other afterwards. <laughs> but uh, Pete's gonna, Pete wants to get uh, John to give him uh, drumming lessons. So it was, it was very cool. It was really neat. <laughs> Good people. You know, that's what it all comes down to. Good people. What are you guys doing in LA? What are you coming here for? Uh, we have some business. Uh, you know, my office is in Irvine, so uh, oh. I'm, I'm out there quite a bit. And we have some uh, upcoming projects that we need to go do a site survey. We should meet up and talk shit about Rob. <laughs> there. usually he's around we used to all meet at the, like uh in burbank at like uh media city there in holiday Inn at, oh so, yeah uh, we do uh, uh oh god you remember cat in the fiddle yeah. oh yeah that's, that's a good spot totally good spot actually i went down sunset the other night it was totally different everything's different than what i remember i just it's, have it's been it's been years since i've been down there i i lived in hollywood blow for you away about, about six years and that was enough for me. That was enough for me. A little bit drastically different than Maine. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we, we did L.A. for six and New York for seven and settled on Maine. Good choice. We get out there enough when things are rolling. We're out there in, in the cities, and that's why I live in Cape Cod, because this is where I like to live and come home to. Mm-hmm. And Rob, and I know uh, Bill lives in between two cornfields, I'll tell you, in, in Indiana. I do, but, so. I go to, but I go to L.A. for the legal weed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, not that's really. That's a different podcast. Yeah, that's a Joe Rogan podcast. Sorry, I forgot where I was. Joe Rogan <laughs> podcast. I don't know that guy. He's in Barstool Sports. <laughs> so you guys could uh, no, do I, one I, more I, tour. What do you, what's the first that comes to mind that was your uh, favorite tour, your most impactful tour, the one that was – that's you. Jack, Jack White, 2018. Wow. It, it, it broke every rule. Uh, it, 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 it was the greatest thing I've ever done. There was never a set list. The songs changed every night. It was we, – we punted every show every night. There was and, – and that's what he wanted. He wanted every show to be different. He, he watched all that video content and the rehearsals, watched every song worth of content. And when it was all said and done, he's like, that was great. I don't ever want to see it, those songs again. So it was, yeah, that was it. No set list. No set list. We got to wear a suit and tie every night. I say, got, got, I, I say got to rather than had to because we were the best dress crew. It was, it was, it was good, man. 
Never have I been on a tour where we had a wardrobe person for the crew. You know, that was that was cool. So they fitted you on everything. Did uh, well, no, we fitted ourselves, but yeah, I mean, you wore you wore a full suit every night. Every night, suit and tie every night. It's good hours. We all went. Did you get in trouble if you took your tie off, or nah, nobody did, or who knows? No, yeah, you'd probably get in a little bit of trouble, but nobody. It didn't. It didn't matter. There were very few people who complained about it. Put it that way. You know, I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to jump in here and go with uh, Leonard Cohen because, uh, again, just like Rob, you said, we we had a wardrobe person uh, that had uh, that that took care of the crew because everybody on Leonard Cohen, first of all, we all had hats, which is where I developed my affection for the pork pie. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Leonard Cohen was entirely 100% IMAG. There was absolutely no content whatsoever. So the entire show was 100% IMAG. And the, the, the musicians that he had were unbelievable. I mean, you know, he had like the, the best, you know, a, a guitar player from some little town in Bolivia and, you know, a Russian fiddle player and the best backup vocalist. And, you know, Leonard Cohen is an icon. I mean, he's done so many things and so many songs. And I was lucky enough to do the last tour that he ever did uh, before he passed on. Uh, but, I mean, it was just nothing but pure video straight through. And, you know, I would do every show and every night I would I would record every night and then I would go and I would watch the show five, six, seven, eight, ten times before the next night. Uh, and I would find, you know, those little points where I could improve and those little fills that I could put in. And I mean, that's just the quality. A, a lot of times uh, for us, what's driven, what, what drives us is the quality of the music and the talent of the musician. And I think in my mind. You know, I mean, I've done a lot of things. I've done, you know, the Pope and Dalai Lama and stuff like that. But in musically, Leonard Cohen was probably one of the best musicians that I've ever worked with and one of the best uh, uh, talented people that I've ever worked with. And the, and the music was just all over the map, man. And so, I mean, it was that was a, that was probably my best tour ever. Pretty cool. <laughs> Peter, new kids on the block. Yeah, for Danny, sure. right? <laughs> Danny, what did you do? Danny Wood is 10 minutes until the Danny Wood video. Uh, no. <laughs> I used to announce the countdown. There's four minutes to the Danny Wood video. And that became a thing on that tour. Yeah. Uh, musically, musically um, and as a person and as an infectious voice, James Taylor mm. tours were always something. That was my first concert I ever went to with my sister and I was like 1976 or 8 and he played at Harvard Stadium and I was like 10 or 12 years old and she took me down there on the bus and it was him and his brother Livingston uh, playing there and that was something but uh, having worked with him in the summertime he's got the all-star band uh, their discography is incredible he enjoys songwriting and the story what I enjoy is the story before the song about how the song was conceived and how he wrote it and it's always kind of out there and quirky like him and he's just a gentleman and uh, so those tours are relaxing and nice and I'd like to do one of those but I'll tell you what the last big tour I did was Green Day they had their own plane and we did South America and Europe big festivals and it was huge and man I'd known about Green Day for years but I'd never seen them live and they oh, are man, man 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 so much man. so much fun and they, the crowds are amazing the crowds are incredible yeah and the dudes uh you know yeah. so the crowds were amazing so yeah. that was fun and I'd jump in a heartbeat to do that one again but yeah. you know you had a lot of good tours I mean musically they're all different in their own way but uh I try to find even in the 
even in the Cardi B and Nicki Minaj thing, you try to find um, that there's, you know, something fun to watch and enjoy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> those can be a, a little bit, um, sometimes, you know, really a, a big, a big, yeah, a, lot of, a, lot of, uh, a lot of stuff going on in shows like that. So uh, also fun to, you know, as a video guy to keep up with the action, no matter what it is. Yeah. So my, uh, I was trying to put, I was, I had an idea, you know, we put this podcast together. My, I was at my buddy's house and they've got a, there's three guys and so their, their kids are in fifth grade, right? They're, they're little girls in fifth grades. And so they said, well, we have a question that you need to ask people. And it was, when did you first feel famous? I love the idea of it because you don't need to be quote unquote famous. You don't need to be a celebrity to feel famous. And what would each of you say was the first time where you felt famous? Or uh, if, if that's an odd question to you, successful, you know, something was good, uh, something extreme. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to jump right out here and say that I did, I, you know, I've done a lot of shows for a lot of people, but I was very fortunate to do a series of speaking shows with Nelson Mandela. Oh, man. Uh, and, one of, and, one of my, and one of my jobs was to sit with him in a little pop-up tent stage right, right before he went on stage. And I would spend 10 or 15 minutes a night before every show sitting with him right before he went on stage. And I'm not going to say that I, I felt that I was, that, that I was famous, but that was, there, there, there's been very few times and I've done presidents, I've done popes, I've done, I mean, but there's been very few times, maybe the Dalai Lama and the Pope and a few, few others, but there's been very few times when I felt like I was in the presence of greatness and when I did Nelson Mandela, that was when probably the closest I ever felt to famous, only because I felt like I was sitting next to famous. Have you been to South Africa where he was in prison oh, yeah. in his house and everything? Yeah, this was right after he came out of prison. I had a I had a work box for 10 years that had a sticker on the side of it that said free Nelson Mandela. Oh wow. And eventually I got to take that work box out on a show where I sat in a pop-up tent stage right with Nelson Mandela. Oh, come uh, on. And that's probably not, I, 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 I'm not going to say that I felt famous, but there's been one or two times in my life when I felt like I've never felt famous myself, but there's been one or two times when I felt like I was really, really close to greatness. Uh, oh. And that was one of them. And another one was when I actually did some, a, a show with the Dalai Lama. Uh, I mean, I, I have a, I have a carpet in my living room right now that was gifted to me by the Dalai Lama. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think I've ever felt famous myself, but I have been on many occasions, two or three super occasions, felt like I was close to famous or close to greatness. Uh, and that was one of them. In his house, he has Sugar Ray Leonard's uh, belt from winning uh, from winning in it. And he had, he was a boxer before he was incarcerated. And so Sugar Ray Leonard gave it to him and it said he gave it to him and he said to the to the real champion, you know, yes. and that's where Sugar Ray Leonard's belt is. Absolutely. At Nelson house. Absolutely. So cool. So cool. So were you involved? Like, I, I love Tracy Chapman. I, I'm, I God, I think she's so great. What uh, was this when? Because when he came out was when she she blew up because she played that Nelson Mandela uh, uh, concert. W was that where you were around there? Or? No, no. I mean, I, I just I picked up a gig uh, that was uh, that was it was just a speaking tour for him, uh, and they needed again just another pure IMAG director. 
Uh, um, but, um, you know, when I, when I got the job, I lobbied for being the guy that mic'd him up before he went on stage. So I was wow. like, uh, I'm cutting the video show, but I want to be the guy who puts his belt pack on, his body pack on. You know, so I got to I got to, you know, put his body back on every night and sit in the little pop up tent and talk with him for 10 minutes or 15 minutes every night before he went on. Uh, and oh, just, cool. the, oh, man, so much wisdom, so much salt of the earth, so much uh, just so much human kindness from the guy, you know, and everything that he went through. But I mean, every he told me that every day that he was incarcerated, he would wake up and write a poem. He would write it in his head. But every day he would wake up and write a poem, uh, sometimes just four or five lines. But, you know, that was one of the things that he did that got him through. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, you know, one of those moments uh, in our industry. And we've all had them. Rob's had them. Pete's had them. You know, we've had all those moments in our industry where where we actually felt like this is what, you know, this shit that we do is really cool. Yeah, and is. this is one of them. And this is one of the things that is the ultimate coolness in my life. And I will remember this for the rest of my life. And I am so happy to have had the opportunity to be in this position, to do this job. That's, yep. that's amazing stuff, Bill. That is as cool as it. Yeah. Yeah. Man. yeah. Uh, do you guys even want What would you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where to follow. follow, follow, follow that that what the yeah. hell, Bill? Nelson, man. Say we were hanging out with Tommy Lee one day, and you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, hey, it's, it's gonna take a lot of eight balls to get over Nelson. <laughs> I went to see Rob and uh, Motley Crue the day that Tommy Lee didn't play. I, I was gonna say it's pretty funny that you just said Tommy Lee because he's talking about Nelson Mandela and feeling famous, and I'm all I'm thinking about was I was on uh, working for Gwen Stefani, and we went to do our first show, and it was uh, at that theater in Las Vegas, brand new theater whatever some years ago at the at the the pearl at the palms or something maybe and we went to do like the opening show in there and we had just started our tour and the production didn't know us all that well and we were trying to make everything perfect and being on our best behavior and we happened to be running video at front of house that day because there was nowhere in the backstage to put it and it was myself and mike tangden and halfway through the show on some slow Gwen Stefani song, Tommy Lee jumped over the rail into front of house, put his arms around both myself and Mike in the middle of the show while we're trying to be on our best behavior and do a beautiful show at this thing. And started saying, hey, can I push the buttons? Can I can I pick the cameras? Can I push the buttons? <laughs> this one do. Yeah. It's like, meanwhile, everyone in the crowd's looking at us like, Who's, what the fuck's going on here? Who's these guys? <laughs> like, yeah. So that's my that's that's one of my many, many Tommy Lee stories. I'm trying to bring him on the show. So I got a guy who wants to come on the show. He's uh, called the, uh, what is it? he's called the Sperminator. He has 80 children via artificial insemination. He's been all over the TV. And I want to bring Tommy Lee on to be, you know, with my stupid little intros to be like, so, you know, I thought you were the Sperminator, but no, no, no. <laughs> I've got the guy that the media has labeled the Sperminator. 80 kids, man. He was just on Dr. Phil. But New York's trying to shut him he, down because he's not. Is he following us? Is he what? Is he following our episode? <laughs> no, I don't have him booked yet. I've asked quite a few people. Nobody wants to go on with him. <laughs> so I'll figure it out. You want to go on with him, Pete? No, thanks. No, no good. <laughs> 80s and us. Yeah, 80 kids, man. He's going to have 100 kids. 
I don't need any more children. <laughs> All right. So what's your, uh, is that your, is that your one? Is Tommy Lee? Cause it's a great story. Uh, no, I just, no, that's just, I just, no, I just happened to think of that. I don't, I don't even know where I would follow up. Cause he's a big guy, uh, man. I, I don't know how tall you are, but he must have towered. Over. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a little short guy. He's a really big, tall he's guy. A big dude. Yeah. 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 That's cool. You got one that comes to mind that where you felt uh, maybe it was building that house. I think that house thing's actually a big accomplishment. I can't even imagine doing that. Yeah, it's something else. I mean, it's it's not something I want to do for a whole lot longer, but it's 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 been a lot of fun and a big learning experience. Yeah, doors open, doors close. You know, they're really neat, though. You uh, having had said I built a house, uh, I think that's amazing. So I couldn't do that. I think that's cool. Yeah, I'm going to have him come build my house in another year or so out here in Indiana. You going to be able to afford the lumber? I Well, you know, maybe. I, don't, I might have to take a lottery. Gone but, yeah. up 340%. Oh, it's a, it's ridiculous. A sheet of plywood is like $72 right now. It's okay it's because insane. I have about five trash bags worth of gasoline that I can cash in. Touché, <laughs> <laughs> man. What about you, Peter? What's your uh, What's your time to shine? When was your? Oh, I don't think I ever really feel famous because we work for famous people, and I was really not a thing I'm care to care to be. Um, but fame, I have definitely felt uh, near greatness at times. I mean, did a Michael Jackson tour for two years, and oh yeah, spent uh, most of the night on stage with him. Some of some of some of the show was just me and him running around. And um, I have his he, Jehovah's yeah. Witness books. Yeah, for who he was, uh, you know, that was greatness uh, as a performer, um, you know, and, and and where my world on that tour was, I was a cameraman back then and handheld on stage and where my base was, was stage left where the guest chairs were at. And it was always somebody special. So we had Johnny Cochran up there one night dancing at the end of the show. We had Prince Alex Al, Al, right? Alex Al played with him. No. Al Moffat, was that who it was? It was Alex Al. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, uh, sorry, I'm interrupting your story. If I'm totally uh, no, and then you know, it's, uh, uh, but I was I love to see we had Princess Stephanie, Prince Hasim, the boxer, and George Lucas. One night, you just every night it was somebody different in the VIP seats. These folding chairs on stage, right next to my cable wrap. So I would I would always try to talk to them or at least acknowledge them or welcome them to the show you know it just kind of it was fun for me to see that and uh yeah, super neat yeah I remember, uh, uh, you guys know uh ronnie Kroom, ron Kroom. no no ron, no, ron he's a lighting guy right lighting guy did uh oh god ron's done eagles he did poison with me and carrie actually and then he worked at ellis or lsd turned to prg he was the prg for years and uh so he he went to the neverland ranch to do something i'm not sure and when he passed and there's a theater on the ranch where he would practice and in the middle of the theater floor there was a there was a divot in the floor because of him practicing dancing for hour after hour after hour so they cut that out of the floor and they gave it to uh, his family after and i i i love that you know i love that i i mean i love michael jackson so it's a great story but yeah i have his jehovah's witness books here <laughs> I'm a memorabilia dealer, so I have a lot of random things. But the Jehovah's Witness, and they're all doodled. He's got doodles all over. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. That's a great story, man. That's a great story. Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate you taking the time. You can still drink, Bill. It's all right. <laughs> 
<laughs> you, <Okay>. you quickly <laughs> put it back. Bro, I will we'll wait okay. for you. We'll wait for you. I'm, I mean, I'm waiting on Pete. I haven't seen Pete take his shot at Jameson yet. So. I don't have anything. Oh, oh you lied to our friend Bill. <laughs> Dude, what did you I talk did. about with the Dalai Lama, man? Uh, well, I mean, the the the, uh, the, the Dalai Lama was, uh, you know, what uh, I mean, Purdue University is a fairly sizable university, uh, and uh, he was making three or four stops in the Midwest, and he just happened to one of the one of the places that he was coming was to Purdue University, uh, and uh, there's a, um, I mean, you know, Purdue is like kind of like an Ivy League school. I mean, they're pretty big. Okay. Uh, so he was doing, uh, he, he came here, they were giving him an award that was called the Sagamore, the Wabash, which is a, a very prominent award in the Midwest. Uh, and, uh, and he was here, you know, he came here and uh, I was fortunate enough to be the video director for the show. Uh, and I got to meet him. And one of the, one of the things was he asked me, uh, you know, we had a, a really quick chit chat before the show. Uh, and uh, he said, I, I'm, I don't really like all these lights, you know, with the lighting that we had to have for the cameras. And I was like, well, <clears throat> we kind of have to have them. And he said, it's OK. And he reached around behind his robe and whipped out a red visor that matched his robe and put the red visor on and pulled it down over his eyes and said, I do this. <laughs> and I was like, awesome. <laughs> so and Dalai Lama's you know, a techie. Like, yeah, he's yeah, you know. Is this next job going to be a Best Buy? He's going to be one of the crew guys. Yeah, he's got a solution but, for everything. Uh, but yeah. you know, I mean, uh, you know, again, one, a solution just one of those for everything. That was good, P. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know one of those moments where you you know, uh, and we they you know we I mean we 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 spend a lot of time you know I mean I've been on the loading dock and had Steven Tyler hand me his little dog because he got in an argument with his girlfriend. It's like yeah, take care of the dog, you know. And, what am I going to do with this little dog? I've had sandwiches bigger than this dog, you know? So, uh, but you know, there's been only a, a few, you know, a few times where I really felt like I was, I was uh, lucky to be alive and lucky to be in the industry that I'm in. And, and that was one of a man with the Dalai Lama, oh, that's amazing. Uh, you know, and All right, with the Pope, we got to ask about the Pope. It'd be unfair to not talk about <laughs> what did you talk about with the Pope? Uh, the Pope was, I think, maybe uh, 2003 or maybe 2008. I mean, he was doing a show in Yankee Stadium. And at the time I was working for Peach Big TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and uh, what I did was I uh, went in and did a, uh, what was called the Concert of Hope. Uh, so there were several acts. Uh, you know, there was uh, Harry Connick and Felice, uh, Jose Feliciano, uh, which, by the way, when I was introduced to Jose Feliciano, uh, they introduced me. He stuck his hand out for me to shake his hand. I reached over and shook his hand, and I said, "Nice to meet you." By the way, just so you know, I've never looked better. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, you know, that was a that was a, a, a fairly big show, and I remember I, I I had some I had students from Purdue that went out and did that show. Actually, one of my students, uh, Pete knows him, Zach Clevenger, uh, was the Steadicam operator and used our our uh, our, our uh, Purdue Steadicam to follow the Pope all the way around the infield on that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, somebody asked me on that show was like, are you nervous doing this show? You know, you've got like, you know, uh, 300 million Catholics watching this worldwide. And I was like, well, you know, the switcher doesn't know that I have 300 million Catholics and the camera doesn't know that I have 3 million Catholics. So why should I be concerned? <laughs> you know? So I'm just going to cut the same show that I normally would, but it, it was a three hour, uh, three hour concert that followed, a papal mass. And interestingly enough, I, I actually went to the archdiocese in New York 
and was trained on how a Catholic mass happened so that I would know the right places to shoot and the right camera shots to take. Again, this goes back to me saying, you knew as directors, we need to study our product and know what it is that we're doing and what it is that we're shooting. Next time you can hire me to be your AD because I was an altar boy in the seventies in Boston when they were growing up, and it's Oreos to Bisco, Honey Nut Cheerio. Only time I ever went to a Catholic mass, and that's the first thing I thought was that it was going to take fifty rehearsals until I get all this. It's insane. Sometimes we, I, I think, what people don't understand is on on shows like that is the effort that we as video directors that we put in ahead of the time, you know, how many hours and hours and hours do I spend in my office at home learning this, watching the music, learning, you know, beat for beat, bar up. for bar, what's happening, <laughs> you know, so. You don't want to fuck it up because everybody sees it. No, you know, and, and I make meticulous notes and then I get out on the show and I throw the notes away because I don't have time to look at them. Of no, <laughs> course, when you're like in South America and you have to direct in Spanish because you don't have time to to to, to translate to Spanish, you just have to think in Spanish. Yeah. 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 Right. Links. <laughs> but all I know is pan right, pan left. Yeah. No! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then you wind up being, uh, you find, you finally you get to learn you finally get to the point where you can direct a show in Spanish, and then you show up in Bolivia where they speak Colombian or some other you know it's like what's Portuguese, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Portuguese, yeah. Uh, something that's kind of Spanish. That's a but tough language, Spanish. man. Yeah. <laughs> zoom, zoom, zoom. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, that's hard. No, sorry, you can keep going, Peter. Okay. Oh no, it's getting late. I really do appreciate all your time. And I hope you guys had fun. <laughs> it was cool talking to all you guys for sure. And uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll have to all hang, man. We'll have to drink those microbrewers. Yeah, it's always good to see Rob and, and Bill. And, and it's good to see you, Joel. So thank you so much. Thank for, you, guys. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And for the rest of the people who've made it this long in this podcast and are still watching, I don't know why they haven't clicked off yet. But We're like, <laughs> we're like 11 episodes deep. <laughs> it's coming back. It's, it's because they like your hat, Pete. And by the way, just so you know, Pete only wears the hat because his hairline is receding down to his ears. So I went I went into a bar the other day and he he's, uh, you got your mask on so uh do you have your id on you i did this and he's like okay you can go it's <laughs> like <laughs> so i cruised into the bar i don't know i had i had skin cancer so i started wearing a hat and i wasn't used to it and so i kept leaving my hat everywhere so i went through a hell of a lot of hats but now i'm really now i go everywhere in my hat i like it but i like these ones i like these i think these are cool. you gotta get an original boston scally cap my friend dave russo a comedian from boston i'll hook you up with one i'm all about it i'll wear it i'd love to give it a try yeah this was jack white attire right here this was the hat was required and this was they said no baseball caps this was the closest we could do so that's pretty cool. I like that idea. I mean, I I remember Third Eye Blind had their own uh, full wardrobe. They'd have a all blue, and they had a cargo pants and a, and a blue shirt that said Third Eye Blind. They all wore it. Now, in case you didn't know who they were, the what? In case you didn't know who they were, we're Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind. Yeah. So, I remember that. And then actually, so I think if I'm right, so uh, Scott's. Yeah, we didn't talk about Scott Wallace. So Scott's 
wife had dated this thing or a third eye blind for five minutes. So they don't really get along too good. So we would, I, I didn't like them. And it, and it was like, Oh, that's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Random one guys. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, last bit out. So I don't think there was anything. Uh, do you guys have anything that you said you think was, I, I didn't have any comments about anything that might, the editor might want to cut out. Is there anything that you said that you think might be dumb? I'm saying no, you just, live so he knows. You just, you just mentioned the editor. I had a conversation with Frank Scambolone earlier this evening. Uh-oh. And the first the first thing he said was that the editor quit the day after his. The his editor fucking quit, dude. She quit. The, the, the day after you had Frank. So I said so that only makes sense. Editor quit. My new editor is a good dude, man. He's all about it. He's a music guy. So he's all into it. So he's. Okay. So uh, do you know Missy Roberts? The what? You know Misty, Misty Roberts? Misty Roberts? Yeah, she has a she's a production coordinator, tour manager. She has a podcast. Uh, what's Misty it called? Misty and, Misty and, Ike. and Ike, and they're they're doing really well with it. And she's an awesome guy. I met her on Metallica, and then she came to Enrique Iglesias and Drake Taylor. <laughs> um, she's salt of the earth. She's uh, women in music. She's um, she's she's fantastic. she's fantastic. She's got a real mind of her own. She speaks her mind. She'll put you in her place if you need to be put in the place. And um, she's somebody you should connect with because what she's doing yeah. is successful. And if you guys could somehow partner and have your part, maybe be on a network together. Yeah, whatever. I'll talk to her because I, I I wrote uh, yesterday to the behind the backstage pass uh, guy. Yeah, Vince Edwards. Vince, thanks. So uh, he didn't respond, but he like thumbed up everything. So you know, I think he's in Orlando area. I think he's down there in Florida. I don't know, but um, he just had a, I've seen him interviewing a few people and I have a few interviews like Toby Francis and stuff. We sat down with him in our studio here and, and uh, did a bunch of stuff and, and some, some cool stuff. What's your Um, name? Misty Roberts. Misty Roberts. Yeah. uh, Misty and Ike. You can look up. Misty and Ike ruined the internet. I think. The name yeah. of it? She's interviewing the roadies or she's just talking to whoever? Or? Well, they have like a kind of a general, it's a general pop culture kind of podcast. They talk about like one movie, one subject will be about, but James Bond movies or something. She's just out there. She's zany. She's smart. She's I was doing, I did like a hundred interviews for my book. And to be honest, they were fun. Some of them, you're talking to some guy and like his neighbor, there's nobody watching, but they were nice people. And I enjoyed I had one I didn't like. She said, uh, the, the, some guy in the background said that Sharon Osbourne was a stupid fucking cunt. And I'm like, oh, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, that was the only one I didn't like. I was, I was like, nah, you, I'm done. I'm done. We can all say that about somebody, but we, we usually don't. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the problem was is they, they said it with vindictiveness that, yeah. that I didn't like and you don't know yeah. her. Cutting room floor. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> you know, you can joke around and she would toss the shit back in your face. But there was vindictiveness that I uh, and I bowed out. So it was the only one out of all of them that I didn't like. And then you know, I would say that I would say the same thing about Taylor Swift's mom. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she's tough. Because they, I mean, that was why I left the John Fogarty's wife. <laughs> yeah, no, I've but, heard. I, 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 I'll, I'll second. I'll third that one then. John Fogarty's wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Julie yeah. Fogarty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Joel, I do have a one quick note for your editor. The, at the top of the show, you mentioned a, a reference to me graduating from a school I did not graduate from. So, okay, uh, San Diego University. 
Yeah, you want to yeah, cut put that. it in big graphics and say, Bill did not graduate from SDS. <laughs> no, he is not a college graduate. <laughs> no, I'm a street guy, man. I'm a street director, street engineer. Yeah, street engineer. So, we'll change that up. He says, what's the difference between Bill Elliott and Dave, uh, David Elliott and Bill Callison? I said, David Elliott's a bench engineer. Bill Callison's a street engineer. Yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll MacGyver it. Yeah. <laughs> he'll make it work. And then you'll say, how did you, you know, do that? Whatever it works. takes to make the show happen, man. You've got to make the show happen, buddy. I've been That's having it. a lot of fun with them. It's been random. And then like the roadie inputs, because I only toured for a few years. And so everybody's saying, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Ah, it's been really cool, man. I'm having everybody wants to talk. Everybody wants to talk. So yeah, I'm glad I had the. I'm glad I had you two knuckleheads to do it with me because I, <laughs> I kind of choke up when I'm on my own, and it's good to, to have you two knuckleheads and to share the screen with you. What are I, you I drinking, Rob? What's your beer? Uh, right now, I am drinking. Uh, I Bago Haze Forward. It's it's local. I always drink local. I like hazy IPAs. I like the good IPAs, dude. I'm still going to drive home, so I only had one little shot. Oh, you're still at work? Yeah, I'm at my office. It's seven miles from my house. I have my own space, you know. My off, my yes. real office for HNX is in Irvine, California. But I have an office that's, you know, two rooms, office kitchen near my place because I need to get away from my children and wife to get anything done. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, you know, I always drink local too. It's just I usually have to go to Belfast to get it. <laughs> so... Yeah, that was it. That guy, Batty, he started listing me. Uh, he started listing me English beers that I need to be drinking. And I'm like, I drink Old Speckled Hen, man. And he's kind of like, well, that is a good one. I got this it place called Institution, one. and I love their beer. I love it. But you have in California, I mean, we, we have Made West, we have Modern Times, which might be, I don't know, is that out by you, Rob? Like Modern, Modern Times, Times is, is here. Modern Times is good. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's good. So I don't know for a beer drinker now, it's just an absolute luxury, man. I love it. Anyway. All right. Well, Joel, I want to, I want to, I want to take a minute to thank you for putting me back together with Rob. Yeah. Uh, man. It's been a while. Yes, it's been yes. a minute, man. And, you know, we have, we have a connection with uh, Lee Griffin uh, that goes way back. And I'm sure, I'm sure he's, he, he knows that, you know, and Harry Chin. Yeah. And, and, Harry, oh, and Chin. Harry Chin. Uh, you, you know, know Phil, Phil, you know Rob got Harry Chin. Harry, 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 Harry Chin is right there above my beer glass right now. Is he? Oh my God! On 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 a mountain in Alaska. Oh my God, buddy! On a, I'm gonna, on a mountain I'm gonna, in Alaska. I'm gonna, were you there on tour? Or did you go to uh, Did you go to hang good. out? I uh, know we were we were there on tour. We finished a tour in Anchorage, and when you finish a tour somewhere cool, you don't go home when you're supposed to. No. So That's we, true. So we, we 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 spent a week in Anchorage. He's uh. This was my best friend in the world. He passed away a year and a few months ago. Um, uh, pre, 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 pre pandemic. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Harry was not around to see the pandemic. And we all worked yeah. with him. Thanks to Rob. We had yes. all at times. In fact, yeah. the last time I worked with him was with you, Bill on the um on the pop uh screen screen actors guild awards or whatever oh, yeah. it was. he showed up with it remember he showed up with a box of popsicles that were melting and he was walking around trying to get everybody to and, eat a popsicle because they were pop. melting he was like Ooh. we got to eat these popsicles, you want a popsicle? <laughs> yeah. yeah everybody you want a popsicle you want a popsicle it's like yeah. Yep, that's that's chin. that's chin. You want a burger? You want some chicken? Yeah. You want some chicken? You want a popsicle? <laughs> yep. God loving man, uh, you know. And here's to all those that we've lost over the years. But you know, I mean, yeah. uh, and and Harry. Uh, so uh, Rob, great great to get back with you, buddy. And and 
yes. and think about Cheers. people like Harry Chen and you know all those. So you guys have uh, any Rigger Dan stories? Because his mom's and, now watching. <laughs> I don't know. If uh, no. Anything fun? He's one of my. He was one of my favorite people. I made a movie and I dedicated it to Dan. Last, and my dad, who had last died. time I last time I saw Dan was probably on Ozfest in ninety nine. I think. Um, just before he died, uh, you know, he was on our Guns N' Roses tour and he was our rigger. Yeah. And, um, and he ran a camera for us at front of house. And I ran a camera at front of house during that particular run. It was prior to my directing days. And I looked over one night, he was trying to lower the camera and I was like, Hey, do you want me to help you raise that camera? The camera hit the deck long lens. And, uh, we had been lobbying because in rehearsals they took away two of our crew members and I was the crew chief. So we got cut from an eight person crew to a six person crew. And I'd been lobbying for two months to get that extra person on the crew to, cause we needed them. And the day that that person showed up was the day after the camera fell. And you know what? Rigger Dan went to his grave pissed at me thinking that I replaced him because the camera broke and it had absolutely nothing to do with it. Oh. So I feel badly, um, but he was a good egg. He was a good guy. Yeah. He was bugging me. He, he was doing. A, he was building a house. He yeah. his house out by me, and he kept bugging me to go look at the house, and I didn't go. Yeah, we don't have to tell that story on no, the we, podcast. You can take that one out, right? Whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Is that? I don't want to leave it on a sad note. You know that like he broke a camera. It's, you know, I mean, no, I, I mean, you know, this is this is this is just us talking about people that we love, man. We love, yeah, Harry, yeah. we all love Harry Chin. We all love unfortunate. He didn't go into his grave being mad at me for something that just didn't. No, yeah, but was he really mad? You know, you never really know the ins and outs. That's actually so. The reason why with Sharon, it has nothing to do with anything music related. When Dan died, yeah, Sharon took. um his dog and took care of his dog until his family came and got the dog. That's cool shit. And I don't yeah, know. That, yeah. that, yeah, everything know. else doesn't matter in my whole life. He took care of the dog. The one to talk to about Sharon is Opie because he did all those uh, early shows with the Osbournes. And- I got to get him on here. I got to reach out. I interviewed him before for King of the Roadies. It was awesome. I mean, I interviewed a lot of people. They're old tapes and I have and I have rights to them all too. So um, there's some good stuff. I mean, Snake Sabo from. Oh, so Snake, uh, I want to get on here because he's the storyteller, storytellers, man. Yeah, he was yeah. talking about. He was talking about like sleeping in his bunk on the bus and here <laughs> he goes up in the driver's got a fucking shotgun. He's shooting on sides of the highway. <laughs> I've texted him and I've called him, but he hasn't uh, he hasn't replied yeah. yet. Doc McGee Entertainment, he worked for yeah, last with Marie time. Matthews, but he um he did the music, some of the music for my movie. I made a movie and then Dizzy did it with, and Snake did some stuff together and everything. So I sort of know him, but I'd love to get him on here because. The last time I saw him was when we did Loaded in Europe and it had to be 10 years ago, 2011 or 12 or something like that. And, and uh, he was there uh, with um, Down, uh, Phil and Selma's man. It's one of my favorite lines. So he, uh, my, my engineer's there. And he says to Snake, so, you know, what's it like being a rock star? And Snake was like, well, you wash your balls off in the bus sink and you fucking do it again the next day. And I'm like, wow, Snake. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, he's he's bagged one. (laughs) He just looked at me and goes, what, you got better? I'm like, well, I washed my hands before I washed my balls, but I guess it's the same shit. I need a piece of pizza. I need a piece of pizza. It was great. 
Every good roadie has a pizza box. <laughs> there you yeah. go. There you go. All right. Well, we'll let you drive home, Peter. Thank you for your time, Rob and Bill. And yeah, uh, Joe, cheers. so much for having us, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been great. I, it's awesome to get back and, and actually talk with people about the industry. And and I, I'm, I'm really hopeful that we all have something to look forward to soon. We I, do. Think, I think we do. I think we do. And I think it's going to come sooner than we think. So, I, I, I really think, wholeheartedly I, agree. I, I think we'll look back on this in one year from now. I, I, I hope. I hope. I mean, I the lineups we'll of these bands are going to be incredible. Oh, the lineups of the, uh, the whatever you want to call it, the, the, they're going to be fantastic. You're going to have, yeah. you're going to have Paul McCartney and Elton John. You're going to have a fantastic tour because there's only so many venues. So I think yeah. people are going to be working and the shows are going to be great. And, and there's only so many roadies and a bunch of them left. So let's see what happens. And it's on uh, this yeah. rebirth of you're excited to get back to work again, rather than to maybe doing a tour where you're like, oh. well, we need you to director and engineer for $500. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Pete, I'm still looking for a job. Maybe you and Greg Redman can hire me at H and X. Yeah. All right, fellas. Thank you very much, Joe. Appreciate it. Take a, Thank you, Joe. I like the hats. I like the hats. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> See yeah. you guys. Bye. Thanks for watching Party Like a Rockstar podcast. If you're not already subscribed to the Facebook or YouTube channels, sign up. If you're on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, the handle is at Party of Stars. Thanks. We'll see you next time.